one really big one which is kind of just touched on is track money that's coming in as well as going out um and really focus on that gap because i think a lot of the time a lot of money content or budgeting content or frugality content is very much about reducing those expenses but if you're not watching what's coming in as well um you can really miss a beat there so that's a really big one and I'm on the roll. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I speak with finance blogger Emma from the Broke Generation about how we can gain control over our finances, get savvy with our spending and start saving. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe or click follow, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you haven't already, make sure you also come join us on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore. Hello, Emma. Welcome to the wow podcast. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with us. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. I'm very glad we are finally doing this. <laughs> me too. Uh, the first question I ask all of the guests is, if you could share a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. The <laughs> the all-important question. I still haven't got this um, wrapped up. But so I'm Emma. I run a blog and an Instagram called The Broke Generation. It's sort of a financial media destination for young predominantly women um or female identifying and um it's sort of all about taking control of your money without sacrificing your lifestyle because i'm all about that aperol spritz lifestyle but i'm also all about having money in the bank um i used to be really 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 bad with money um i didn't grow up with a load of it but i didn't grow up with none of it and that sort of left me with not that many not that much understanding about how to manage it so when i sorted my shit out um i thought I sort of discovered so many things along the way that just weren't accessible to women anyway. Um, I kind of did have a base knowledge of finance a little bit from stuff I'd studied and that kind of thing. Um, and I thought that I could kind of turn it into something a bit more interesting, a bit more fun and kind of communicate in that kind of lifestyle bloggy type of way, but about finance themes. Mm. You're way too humble about yourself, by the way. So Emma's Instagram page, The Broke Generation, like you have, you boast a following of like over 30,000 females wanting this financial advice that you share. It is great, easy, super simple to understand information, which is why I was so excited to grab you on board. Have you, where did your background in finance come? Did you do a degree in it? Did you work in finance? Like, how did you get so savvy with it? Yeah, so I didn't ever work in finance specifically. I didn't study finance either. I ended up doing marketing at uni, but um, I was always quite good at maths and mm. I was always good at business. I did business studies like in school. And then my marketing degree was sort of quite, it was quite a generalist degree. So there was a lot of business in there and there was also financial management and kind of strategy built in that. And I was always good at that. So I took that as all my electives and that kind of thing. Um, and just in my job as a kind of, you know sort of marketing and copywriting and that kind of thing a lot of my clients were often in finance or real estate or insurance and I kind of fell into that um sort of you learn a lot when you're writing about a business so I kind of fell into that and I was finding it really interesting so even though I didn't kind of grow up or study in that kind of space um I 
found that I picked it up quite easily and I could mm. translate it into something that sounded remotely interesting quite easily so that's kind of where the idea for the blog came along because I was sort of taking these very dry themes and I thought that I could make them a little bit more interesting and a bit more exciting and apparently people agree <laughs> no people do agree because I I find as we grow up and as we start a full-time job and we have money accessible to us we go from being a broke uni student eating two-minute noodles and drinking goon to now having a salary where it's like hey I can probably afford that ten dollar glass of wine why not um it's a really interesting concept because you've gone from like saving all your pennies because you're so broke to then having accessibility to funds when you want and although that might not be a lot of funds it's still enough to be able to go hey I can buy that dress hey I can do this on the weekend but then we we kind of forget about the saving aspect and lucky for men that conversation seems to be had with them I mean I don't know where it comes from or who gives it to them but for some reason my boyfriend knows way more about investing in shares way more about investing in property way more about just budgeting saving being financially savvy than I've ever been taught I mean thankfully my dad has tried to instill some great advice but I feel like that conversation for many women isn't available and do you feel that way yeah I do I actually did another interview last week all about sort of the differences between um women and men it was really interesting um and it's it is a really weird one because like you said there's a lot of that you know why do they why do modern men still understand more about finance I can understand more traditionally why they did because women sort of literally weren't allowed to have bank accounts or they were kind of sort of considered um beneath their husbands so everything was joint so that kind of makes sense but it's kind of like why does my 29 year old boyfriend know about shares and I don't um and I think it kind of a lot of it is like media narrative and just sort of a general um the general finance space perpetuates a very male narrative so I definitely Mm. think that's true I don't think that it's um I don't think that all men have that I mean (laughs) let's not go down the not all men route but I don't think that all men necessarily have that same access I have male friends that know nothing about shares as well um Mm. so I do think that it's you know the the gap is perhaps slightly smaller than it was but it still doesn't change that the sort of the tools and the resources are there for them um Mm whether they're sort of shouting to the rooftop saying, you know, finance tips for men, come and get them. No, not exactly. Mm. But just the the tone and the colouring and the people that you sort of see in the media using those facilities and the people that invest in stocks on TV, like it's all men. So it just sort of mm. fits. And the, the language is male. Yeah. Like I, I feel like the, and that's what you do so well is you speak to a female audience. You can dissect all that male jargon that they're talking about and put it into a way that is relatable for females. Because unfortunately I feel like we're, that just that narrative or that conversation is not there. Um, the first question I really want to get your insight on is what do you believe is the worst money habit you see young women today doing? Yes. So when I say I see people doing this, I mean, I see also myself doing this. And this is yeah. like, I've exactly <laughs> come from that place. I, I'm not that person that was really savvy with money. So I do them all. I've been through them all. But I would say there's two. So there's one um, being assuming that you have the rest of your life to earn more and therefore save more. This was definitely a misunderstanding from me. And I think it's definitely communicated poorly to us as adolescents that you'll earn more when you're older because I actually Mm. looking back even though I moved out of home when I was 18 I probably had my most disposable income when I was a lot younger 
um, mm. in theory. Um, yes, obviously I didn't have a lot when I was a student, but I also was able to, you know, pick up extra hours at work and you've got so much energy and you can work two jobs and I think I actually And you're not paying energy. rent and your your parents are probably buying food and stocking the groceries. Yeah. yeah, especially for a lot of people in Australia. So I grew up in the UK and I went to uni 18 and I was paying rent from then, but I still... Um, I still yeah my expenses your responsibilities are just so much less so Mm. yes um definitely that sort of thinking you've got so much more time to save and suddenly those years kind of whittle away and suddenly you're 27 and you don't have any savings and you know that was me (laughs) um so that's one and the other one I think which I guess kind of ties into it is sort of having no real awareness over what's coming in and what's going out and therefore money kind of leaking out of your lifestyle so I sort of remember I used to think like well I'm not buying designer handbags or I don't have I have never bought a car or I you know I don't eat out at really nice restaurants so why have I got no money oh I must just not have enough when mm. I think that and I think that's another thing that a lot of financial information whether male or female it is generally I mean all financial advice pretty much is geared to higher net worth individuals so if you've got it someone will teach you how to manage it whereas if you don't have any People won't tell you how to save $50 a month or how to invest $50 a month. I mean, it's becoming more popular, um, but that is another kind of real disproportionate thing I've noticed that if you don't have money, the resources are also not there for you because one, you can't pay for advice because you haven't got the money there. Um, But also, yeah, it's just not really designed that way because it's obviously you make more money teaching people with money to make mm. more of it do you know what I mean in terms of advice mm. um so I think the sort of yeah money leaking out of your lifestyle and sort of assuming that there isn't any room are probably the two biggest um mistakes in inverted commas it's really interesting that conversation around oh well uh, I'll have more money later in life like that's something that I haven't even thought of but now that you think about it it's like hey, things are just adding up. The more you make, the more you get taxed, the more responsibilities you have. You're then going to try buy a house that's a mortgage. You want to start a family that's kids. You know, it just, it all stacks up and it doesn't free up any space. I mean, the most space that you're going to have to save money is when you are working full-time and you're living with your family and you have that availability. I mean, not everyone has access to that or can do that, but obviously for people who can that's the best time to start saving which is often now where we're all running around willy-nilly throwing it at Aperol spritzes (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely so what how can we change our relationship with money Emma yeah so it's a really good question and I mean ultimately it really depends on where you're coming from so I was coming from a very um a very impulsive, a very mindless, a very kind of like, eh, it's only money. Like that was sort of my, uh, I grew up around that narrative a lot because I was raised by a single parent. Um, We were sort of a bit probably like, like I felt with money, we didn't have nothing, but we didn't have enough to do anything major with. So sort of my mum's attitude was often very like, ah, you know, like we've got, if there's $500 spare, you know, why, why not just buy those iPods? Because it's not like it's enough to do anything major with. It's not like we can invest or be rich or wealthy. So, mm. you know, why not? Let's buy an iPhone. Just that sort of thing as an example. Um, so, sorry, I've gone completely off course. <laughs> um, <laughs> healing your relationship with money. So, yeah, think about where you're coming from and maybe why your relationship with money is the way that it is. So you might be somebody who's actually 
good at saving on paper, but you're actually really scarce and you can't spend any money and therefore you can't buy property and you're, you want to buy property with cash or, I mean, it's with rates so low, it would just, you wouldn't ever get any interest on your money and it would be just crazy to have, if, I mean, if it's your choice, it's your choice, but it would be, do you know what I mean? You might be hold, so, so obsessed with holding onto money that you can't actually use it to improve your life. So there's that kind of side or there's the more sort of like natural spender side that I'm coming from. So working at where you're coming from and then really kind of look at how that is manifesting itself in your life. So for me, it was saying, okay, I think I'm quite a mind, mindless spender. I'm not, um, I constantly feel like I don't have enough, um, even though I've got nothing to show for it. So I had to really get deep into okay, why have I got nothing to show for it? It's going somewhere. I'm earning, you know, when I started this journey, I was earning, I think, $46,000 a year, something like this is coming in. My rent's not that much. I live with my partner. We live in a moldy, tiny one-bedroom apartment, nowhere near the city. There's got to be some gap somewhere. It's going somewhere. Mm. Um, And it was going on, like, two gym memberships that I wasn't using or too much coffee I know people say that coffee doesn't make a difference but when you're earning 44k and you're buying a coffee a day it really does does. um Mm. stupid stuff like losing my Mikey and not registering it and losing it with 20 dollars on it like just really Mm. silly things that you wouldn't think would make much of a difference but I mean the money is going somewhere and I've got nothing to show for it so Mm. um for me it's the it's sort of to change the relationship it's really a process of working out what's what's going on in your bank account and why that is and then gradually sort of making smaller changes until you can see results and when you see the results you kind of get spurred on to um to kind of keep making those changes and make that gap between your expenses and your income bigger um Mm -hmm. that's where you get the the freedom to make changes so is that sitting down doing that heavy reflection is that journaling about it is that printing out bank statements and highlighting like what are the actions that we can go through to make this happen yeah so again um I don't think there's a one size fits all. It really depends on what works for you. I'm generally, apart from a few exceptions, not a journal kind of girl, but I know some people really respond well to it. I'm much more of a strategic kind of person. So for for me, it was looking at those bank statements. It was doing no spend weeks. So like just paying my expenses and my, you know, travel card or whatever, um, and and no coffee and no eating out or whatever. Um generally I hate that kind of hyper frugality but for me doing it in a short burst of time was what was necessary to open my eyes to mm-hmm. what it was so if you if you respond very well to that sort of all or nothing mindset like I do um then doing a sort of a no spend week or a track your spending for a week or something can work really well um if that's and it might not thing- even be for a week it could just be two days and yeah. I think it's interesting you do it for a day and you go oh shit I would usually go out and do that now but that is extra money (laughs) exactly it's funny the amount of times I've got to the end of the week I mean even now when I'm a lot better with money than I was I'll get to the end of the week and think oh I've had a really good week this week I don't think I've spent anything and then I look at my bank account and I'm like oh oh yeah and you you know you pay something for $60 that's maybe not even fun it's a bill and you maybe get a drink on the way home from work one night and you um I don't know get some Uber Eats and like 120 bucks and you're like Mm. Oh, I thought, and it's, yes, if you've planned for that, that's absolutely fine. But if you think you've spent nothing and you spent 120, it's kind of easy to see why you got 
nothing left. Um, mm. But in terms of those strategies, yeah, there's the all or nothing type, or you might want to make it a much more gradual thing, and you might want to sort of journal it out, or um, you might want to sort of make it so not doing those all at once. Maybe do it for one day a week, or you might want to just work towards a savings goal. Um, so maybe you set yourself five hundred dollars in three months or something, and you just kind of chip away at it. If the kind of slow burn is much more something that's going to work for you for you more um I would say really try and speak to your personality because that will Mm. give it the best chance of success so what are your three tips to breaking the spending cycle I know we're all guilty I mean majority of us if you're not guilty of spending money as a woman Mm. (laughs) I mean I really am jealous of you but I think female tax and even just silly things like breaking the spending cycle and getting your nails done, your hair done, your waxing appointments, your laser appointments. Like there are so many things that we can spend money on. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I always refer to the spending cycle because it is it is such a cycle. And I really refer to it um, in a similar way to the way I am with um, like junk food. Like, um, mm. I know everybody's relationship with food is really different. And I don't like to talk about it too much because I've kind of got my own past with that. But it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, when you've sort of, you've got had a few birthdays or maybe it's your birthday and you, you, you eat junk food, you know, a bit too much for a week. And then you sort of think, oh, oh what, you know, one more week of eating whatever I want won't hurt. And you, it's just kind of that like sugar hit that you get addicted to. Um, the same thing happens with spending. So even though you think that you could just stop any time, um, you really can't because the longer you go without that hit of dopamine that you get when you tap your card or the parcel comes or whatever whatever it is that satisfies you um the longer you go the less you'll actually crave it and the less you'll associate this feelings of joy with feeling that way Mm. um so I kind of have a three-step process for breaking the spending cycle I think you should try and break I don't think there's sort of one way to fix your entire spending cycle I think you need to do it individually for each thing that you're in a cycle of so like you said you've got your beauty appointments for me it was always clothes um every time a new event would come up or even just work drinks or somewhere I was going that I wanted to look nice I just got into this cycle of popping to the shops and buying something new or popping out and just getting just a little hair clip just to go Mm. there because you know I couldn't possibly go out with a hair clip I've already got and it's just that cycle (laughs) so I think really identifying what your vices are so is it waxing is it clothes is it I don't know going out for dinner if that's a problem for you is it shoes what is it and then try and work out what is triggering it or what is um what's your end goal when you're buying that so for me that trigger was um events and going places or it was also often um feeling a bit crap about myself um I had kind of weight battles for a number of years and if I was feeling bad about my body I would instead of thinking oh I can have a long-term plan to get fit and you know feel stronger and healthier but instead that would take me a year um otherwise I could just go and buy a dress now and it might be slimming on my waist and I might feel better for five minutes so for me I really had to work through that association um and therefore at that point when you've worked out what those things are you can create these counteracting behaviors so rather so thinking about what that trigger is and what the vice is rather than going okay trigger vice feel happy put something else in place or put a boundary in place so that that cycle doesn't happen so easily so if you're thinking okay trigger feeling crappy about myself trigger is feeling crappy about myself I'm going to go and buy a dress and then I'll feel better if you put either something like a 24 to 48 hour rule um, in between 
you know, feeling that way and buying that thing, that can kind of slow it down. You can get into your rational mind and that can stop it. Or you might want to think of something else to do when you get that feeling. So, okay, feeling crappy by myself, I'll go and make a herbal tea and have a bath. Having a bath is a really great one for me because I can't use my hands <laughs> because I'm wet. So if I'm like <laughs> scrolling on the internet, I'm like, whether I'm comparing myself to somebody or if I'm shopping online, I'm like, get in the bath because <laughs> you can't mm, shop mm. there. Um, so for me, that was a really good counteracting behavior. So identify vice, identify trigger, counteracting behavior or boundary. That's sort of my three step approach for each thing that you feel that you're in a cycle of spending with. Um, it is like a muscle that you need to stretch. The, the more and more and more you do it, the, the simpler it, it will be. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, We have some listener questions today for you. Casey wants to know, Emma, what is the best bank to go with? She's always stayed with the bank that her parents are with, but she doesn't know if that's the best one or not. Is there much difference when it comes to the banks? There is. um, I'm not going to say a specific bank just because, I mean, nobody can, but I especially can't, you know, recommend a product. Um, But Mm. in terms of choosing a bank, I would, for one, look at their like online banking features. Some some apps are much more intuitive or they just sort of like are much more user friendly. Um, Mm. So if that's something that's important to you and you bank on the go a lot, I would look at that. I would look at whether they have the OSCO instant transfer payments. I know that a couple, mm. I've got a few different bank accounts and some stuff takes forever to transfer. So make sure they've got that. Um, and obviously interest rates. So if you've got a savings account, um, you might want to have savings accounts with multiple banks. Um, if you are having different you know, savings goals or whatever, because then you can sometimes capitalize on the um, the bonus interest from different banks. So as an example, I bank with ING, um, you can only have, you can have as many savings accounts as you want, but you can only get your bonus savings on one of them. So I have another bank um, that I have another savings account with and I make sure I meet their criteria for their bonus interest as well. Um, because I've got two of my, two of my savings accounts have got um, a bit more in that's worth getting the interest on, even while they're so low, it's like 1.3%, I think better than nothing um but yeah so make sure that your money is in the your your savings account money is in the account with the most interest um Mm -hmm. and then if you have another substantial one you might want to put it with another bank um to make sure you're getting your most sort of bang for buck even while there's hardly any interest just get some of it if you can Um, yeah absolutely Claudia wants to know, this is kind of leading on from Casey's, I guess, but where is the best option to put our savings? Is a high interest savings account the only slash best option we have? Um, Yes. So you can have a high interest online savings account, correct, really easy to access, you know, pretty safe there. Um, No, you're not getting much on it, Um, but it's, you know, that is sort of the highest interest rate you can get in a way um there's also term deposits um which can be good if you want to sort of put your money away for a period of time and it will pay you an interest rate and you can't i mean you can you i think you can access it if you were in dire need of doing so but it's not incentivized to do that um you can Mm -hmm. sort of lock that away and then it pays a sometimes high interest rate at the end of that i haven't ever done one in australia but i used to in the UK, we call them bonds, and I used to use them there. So I would maybe put like ten grand in there for a year. So I one, I couldn't touch it. Bonus, <laughs> and two, mm. when I got it back, it would have the interest added on the top. Um, obviously, the other option is investing, um, which is kind of a whole other kettle of fish. But if you've mm. sort of got your emergency savings set up and you want to 
get your money working a little bit harder for you and you're not going to need it for a long period of time, um, that's where maybe investing could come in for a portion of it. So you might want to invest in um, the sort of micro investing app like Raise or Comsec Pocket um, or Spaceship or there's a number of them around um, or they're sort of on the more um, slightly higher scale. There's ETFs, which are sort of um, exchange traded funds, baskets of shares from multiple companies that you can invest in. And if you're leaving your money there for a long period of time, there's the possibility for higher returns than you can get in a bank. Mm, absolutely. Uh, for those that are wanting to learn more about shares, I did do a previous episode on this. So you can scroll back through to listen more about that. But Emma, recommendations with budgeting, how much should we be putting away? And how can like, you know, I've read the barefoot investor, so I, I feel like I'm a financial expert, but I know I'm not. How should we set up our yeah, our savings buckets. I know that's what he calls it, but is there a be- better way to do it? Yeah, so um, I have mixed feelings about the Barefoot Investor. Overall, it's awesome. It's got so many people into finances. It's got people compartmentalizing mm. their money. Overall, it's great, but it is very cookie cutter. Um, yes. And I think a lot of people then try it and they go, oh, it didn't work for me. And then they go back around this sort of, um, what's the word, sort of, panic cycle I guess because they're like even that's not working for me and it's working for everybody um so there obviously are people that that won't work for um especially with so many compartmentalized buckets for me it doesn't work to be that granular um Mm. I like to do what I sort of call intuitive spending so I don't find the super granular works for me anymore did at first when I was really like trying to just keep the dollars in my account because they just kept running away from me um but now I like to sort of do what I call intuitive spending which is sort of where I have my bills and my expenses and my mortgage and everything as soon as I get paid the allocation for that goes out so it's all averaged out over the year um, and that gets you know paid from every cycle the exact amount that needs to go towards that then I've got my base level of savings which obviously this year has been pretty static because nothing's really changing whereas normally my savings will be goals based so I might have something long term I might have something short term like flights to go back home to the UK that I'm working towards and then just sort of a general splurge account which I think is actually a barefoot investor thing so maybe I like him more than I thought um, and so that's just you know for something if I want to buy you know a dress for an event or on a one-off occasion mm-hmm. or something like that um, and then the rest of my money is not the rest of my sort of spending money is not compartmentalized further it's just my spending money and I kind of I feel like I've been managing my money in a way that I'm confident enough with now that I can have say it's $200 a week, for example, rather than having to put that into takeaway and into shopping and into groceries. Because what I found was if I had $100 for groceries or $50 for takeaways, I would spend it even if I didn't want it. Um, And that's what didn't work for me. Um, And especially as well with bills. I know a lot of people put a bit more onto their bills. And while I have a buffer amount, um, some people sort of leave the most of their money in their bills account, but I'm just too hyper aware of my bank balances. And I know that if I've got 200 too much in my bills account, that's coming out <laughs> and coming yeah. with me. So doing that, I needed to have that freedom. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. I've got like the base, um, as long as my savings accounts are being topped up and it's going up by a certain amount. And as long as my bills and my expenses are paid, I try and give myself the freedom. What I don't do though is give myself too much and expect to save it at the end of the month. That's actually another really big mistake people make. They they save last. As long as I've paid my bills and I've paid myself, then I'm pretty fluid with it. Um, 
granted this year has made that slightly easier because there are so many less opportunities to buy stuff um but it is something that I enjoy doing I'd rather decide if I want to have any takeaway that week or if I want to socialize or if I want to buy more expensive groceries I'd rather just decide that rather than having it split up for me Mm, absolutely so once you've worked out your let's say your expenses so your bills and your living costs and you've got your fun money and savings left over. How should we figure out how much is for having fun and how much is for savings? Yeah. So I like to think of um, my life in sort of seasons almost. So almost literally, you know, summer I may spend more than winter or maybe for you that's vice versa, maybe you're really into skiing or something, I don't know. Um, but I like <laughs> <I'm> to <not>. <laughs> I don't know some people love us no it's crazy people um I like to think of it as so I sort of think of each of each sort of season of my life or each quarter for example I'll do it differently so um in summer there might be a bit more or sort of I don't know around my birthday or whatever you want to um whenever you might be spending a bit more um I would sort of factor that in and then work to savings a savings amount that's perhaps a lower percentage so often percentages can work well you might say okay this month my leftover money is going 40 percent saving 60 percent of fun or maybe you really want to work towards a goal so you'll stack 80 percent to savings and you'll live a little bit lean for a while um or sometimes you literally might say i'm not even saving this month i'm just gonna have like december i'm not saving because i'm just having my money pulled out for myself for gifts for december fun for waving goodbye to this shitty year um yeah so that's why I find percentages work well because it also helps with if you earn more money or if money comes in um, I like to have a percentage rule for any money that comes in so whether that's I mean I don't get bonuses but some people some people get bonuses from work or overtime or that kind of thing um, if you apply a percentage rule then you know that you're um, benefiting your savings and your spending at the same time um, whenever any extra money comes in or even if it's $50 from your grandma on your birthday Um, If you Mm. apply that percentage rule, then you know that you're topping up your savings and having a bit of fun at the same kind of rate. Um, So I would say use percentages and adjust it for different seasons of your life. I really like that. I haven't thought of it that way, but it makes sense. And I guess it navigates that guilt you feel like, you know, we all know December is a really big month for everyone. Christmas is expensive. Summer is fun and we want to be out there enjoying ourselves and not sitting at home going, well, shit you know, Christmas is so expensive. And so I've spent all my money I can, and I want to hit these crazy savings goals I have, so I can't go out and enjoy myself. I think that makes sense. Cause I know for me, I find, and it sounds like you're the same winter. I'm happy to sit inside. I'm happy to not be going out and drinking Aperol spritzes at a bar. Do you know what I mean? Like you want to be cozy inside and maybe that's more of your Uber Eats spending money going into winter, but summer is more of a fun time for myself anyway and so I can understand that how that works a little bit better I like that idea yeah it works very well for me it gives me that freedom it comes back to that intuitive aspect I think Mm, and it's also a little bit realistic like it's not setting expectations that are too hard to achieve it's being realistic like okay it's going to be a big month let's not be too hard on ourselves let's take it easy this month and then you know in two months time let's work back to those higher goals that I did have I like that. Um, Let's talk multiple streams of income and how we can bring in more money from side investments and projects. You seem to be very savvy in this area of things and I really want to know your secrets. Could you please share? 
Yeah. So I, the reason I love multiple streams of income, and this is actually something sort of coming back to that female male thing that I'm quite passionate about because I feel like the term multiple streams of income is so associated with like men and investing and dividends and stocks and whatever. And in in that voice as well, you know, it always <laughs> dividends <laughs> and sort of really secretive and nothing nobody nothing anybody understands. Um, whereas for me, multiple streams of income has always been um, back when I was a waitress and even now when I've got sort of a career in a business and that kind of thing, it's always just been having um, sort of levers that you can pull if you need or want to bring in ex- any extra money so like when I was younger mm-hmm. I had my waitressing job and obviously on the side of that there was still the opportunity to have extra shifts so that would be like one extra stream of income uh, on top of my normal wage um, there was also I used to do like um, delivering the yellow pages <laughs> back when that was a thing I don't know if they still have that <laughs> um, oh my god but- what a good little extra hustle on the side yeah, it was good for the uh, the biceps as well because they're pretty heavy. <laughs> but yeah, I was really, I was all over um, like, I mean, Gumtree back in the day, but I suppose nowadays people would use Facebook. Um, just kind of looking for any kind of one-off um, earning opportunities or, yeah, I mean, nothing dodgy, obviously. <laughs> got to be careful of that. Um, but yeah, another thing um, I did at one point was I got like a field job with um, TripAdvisor and I used to just go around to restaurants in my area and they were like manually verifying all their online information. This was in like 2013. So this is a really bad example, but just like, it's not long term. It was like a month, I think. And it was just kind of like you are a contractor. Um, but just in the, that was kind of what I did back then. I would kind of sell things on eBay as well. Um, I would, um, what else? Do? Oh, I used to do um, like focus groups and market research sessions. Um, when I was there are always London. good ones, aren't they? They're like, it's, great. It's they so, so well. many good ones that are like, yeah. Oh, hey, could you fill out this questionnaire for us and we'll give you 50 bucks? like fantastic sign me up yeah so I was signed up to all of those they're really good um and obviously I mean again this was this was sort of five six seven years ago nowadays there's so many more opportunities to have a small business on Instagram or to blog or to like I don't know do freelance photography or freelance writing like you can earn money just sitting at home so I for me um or you know doing uber driving or there's so many like digital focused things that you can do um so for me it's not even that you need to be earning from them but it's just kind of having those systems set up so that you could if you wanted to so if you lost your job tomorrow what would you do um, if you could, you know, jump in the car and start Uber driving, if you could um, jump online onto Upwork or Fiverr and start picking up some online jobs, like just kind of having that uh, system set up in your mind, even not even if you're actually earning from it, because people are busy, I get it, um, that you would do if you wanted or needed to get more money. It's a good idea, especially, I mean, we've all felt the impacts of COVID this year and unfortunately some worse than others with the fact that you woke up one day and didn't have a job anymore. So I can understand the benefit of, you know, and it might not be your dream job, but it's something that you can fall back on if there's a worst case scenario and, you know, the company you're working for goes bankrupt and you no longer have a job. That's a very smart way to look at it. How did you figure out that, hey, I'm actually really good at, blogging and I think I could get some money on the side of it and do that further like how do you work out what you're good at and what you can do into a side hustle yeah so I mean I can't ignore my sort of um I suppose privilege or um just 
general lock that what I do is something that is online um I've always mm-hmm. worked in digital so I can't really ignore that but then even offline like I love cats um so I also started up a little cat sitting business in my area so um just like in the suburbs near me I'll go and visit cats and feed them um while their owners are on holiday I literally just started up I started up using an app called Pawshake um there's a number of apps you can use um but now I just use like a Facebook page and people just like book me through that and sometimes I put flyers out in my street and it's awesome and it's repeat business so it's not even it doesn't even need to be something you're good at just something you like doing do you like making sandwiches do you like driving like even if you're into even if you love your car and you love driving and you would like to monetize driving around for a bit like you could deliver takeaway even if it's not with uber like go to your local takeaways and ask them if they need drivers like they a lot of the time they always do so um mm. it seems kind of like it can seem futile and it's not necessarily quick win um but finding something like that that is ongoing there might be a lot of effort up front but then it really takes care of itself like i have pet clients now that I've had for two and a half three years and I don't even look for new clients anymore they just every time they go away I look after their cats and they go away two three four five times a year and it just looks Mm. after itself so and if it's um, like a you know a Thursday Friday night takeaway driving run like you know that's not affecting you your social life too much I mean I don't know who's going out 24 7 right now with (laughs) restrictions still being around but like yeah, it makes sense to get a little bit of extra on the side that you can stash away maybe for a bit of fun, maybe to put towards that long-term investment goals of entering the share market. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a big tip that I learned far too late with when you are earning extra money is make sure that your extra time is worth it. So when I was younger and I was working in restaurants, I always took the extra shifts. I was always working. And this really contributed to my negative relationship with money because I worked so much But because of that, I thought I could buy whatever I wanted, whereas I wasn't actually tracking the extra money coming in. So I was putting all this effort in and still had nothing to show for it because I was just escalating my spending at the exact same rate. So the gap just never changed. Um, So that's really important. If you are earning extra money, make sure that you are topping up those savings or investing or, you know, buying something that you're specifically putting the extra effort in for. Otherwise, it just feels like a waste of time. Probably good to note as well, like, you know, is this worth your time? You know, it might be great to have an extra side hustle going on, but if you're only getting paid like minimum wage to do it, is it worth your time? Could you find a better paying job elsewhere? Could you, I don't know, use that time to develop into your dream side hustle to get that up and running somewhere? Um, I think we've got to be more precious with our time as well and not just throw it at anything. Exactly. Coming to the end of the podcast, which is really sad because we could keep talking forever, <laughs> but I want to know your three best money tips that you've ever been given or learned. Yes, so I um I was trying to pick. I was trying to pick three. I'm thinking, God, who has ever like given me these money tips? But <laughs> one really big one, which I kind of just touched on, is track money that's coming in as well as going out. Um, and really focus on that gap because I think a lot of the time a lot of money content or budgeting content or frugality content is very much about reducing those expenses but if you're not watching what's coming in as well um, you can really miss a beat there so that's a really big one Um, the second one is work out your bills and expenses as a equal portion of each payday Um, again something Mm -hmm. I started doing far too late I used to get paid fortnightly and I remember at the agency I worked at 
we everybody had like good fortnight and bad fortnight because some mm. people like us we weren't budgeting properly and so the first fortnight of the month was great because rent wasn't due and then we would just leave everything to the second fortnight and the second fortnight was so lean and it just didn't click in my head for such a long time to pay it equally out of both paydays in the month so mm. average all your expenses out and pay them equally um, and the third one is be mindful of lifestyle inflation so when you earn more money, whether that's through a side hustle, whether that's through a job. Um, and I don't like to say don't inflate your lifestyle because otherwise what's the point in earning more money? Um, but just be mindful of where you're inflating your lifestyle. For example, I like to buy nicer wine now. I used to buy like the cheapest $5 wine I could get my paws on. Whereas now that something is important to me, so now I earn a little bit more, I will buy nice wine. But what I don't do, um, for example, is I don't, uh, I, haven't, I haven't sort of ever... Um, uh, I don't know, flown with fancy airlines or, um, you know, yeah. that, you know, flown business class. I mean, I wish <laughs> that's not a priority in terms of upgrading my lifestyle. I haven't bought a new car. We still drive like a 1999 Holden that I share with my boyfriend. Like that, they're not things that I've inflated because they're not important to me. So make yeah. sure you immediately go and buy more because you can afford it. Absolutely. I mean, opposite for me, I love cheap wine. And for some reason, cheap wine sings to me in many ways. So, like, <laughs> you know, I'm happy to stick with the $5 bottles. I think there's always some winners in amongst them, but I can understand and appreciate why people might want to <laughs> spend a little bit more and then not have to worry about getting that one off dodgy bottle every now and then. Um, do you have a motto or quote when it comes to money, Emma, that you really stand by? Yes, I do. And it's, it will only resonate with you if you are a natural spender and probably a millennial woman, but I get the feeling a lot of people listening will relate to this. My mantra, and it just clicks with me so much when it first came to me, is that you don't go to work for 40 hours a week to have a wardrobe full of polyester dresses. There's mm. just more for you than that. <laughs> and that for me was just like, oh, wow, yeah, that's literally all I've done with my life. Like gone on a couple of boozy holidays and I've got a bunch of polyester dresses that, never, that don't even fit me anymore. So mm. that really kind of clicked with me. Um, and yeah, there's just there's so much more for you than the things that marketing will try and sell you. Yes, I know. I work in marketing as well, so I'm sure we can both. It's interesting. You can see through the bullshit so much more clearer when you work in the industry, but it is. Mm. There's a lot of bullshit out there, and I think it's a balance as well. You know, we can't all just hide our little pennies away and be hope that we're going to be rich and famous one day. I think we've got to enjoy it as well along the road and make sure we celebrate our wins. Yeah. Um so lastly, could you tell us how we can follow you and if you offer any services through your business, The Broke Generation? Yes. So you can come and join me on Instagram at the.brokegeneration or at my website, www.thebrokegeneration.com. I have a flagship Be Better With Money ebook, which kind of takes you through a 90 day spending plan and talks a little bit about um, making money on the side. And I'm also about to launch a January challenge, uh, which is a 31 day email series of um, tips and tricks and worksheets in your inbox to help you make January kind of your launch pad to a really great money year. So that is coming out really soon. Fantastic. I'll drop all the links to Emma's Instagram and website and everything that you need to go follow her in the show notes below. So please do. Otherwise, Emma, thank you for taking your, the time out of your day to come chat to us. It has been so interesting and it's making me feel like I'm ready to go sit down, schedule a time to go through and work out my own finances. So thank you. 
Thanks so much for having me. It's been really interesting chatting to you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. If you enjoyed it, then I recommend scrolling back through some of our previous episodes and taking a listen. I release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you tune in next week. Otherwise, you can come follow us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your week. And I'm on the road.